Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Well, hey, we are in a season, a series called Thank You, and it's falling in line a little bit with a Thanksgiving season. How many know that there is a holiday before Christmas called Thanksgiving? I know some of you all forgot about that. It's a, you know, it's not as commercialized, but it's called Thanksgiving. And, and Thanksgiving is a time where we come together and we do exactly that, right? We give thanks. That's the point of Thanksgiving. That's probably the reason why it's not as commercialized is because this is a time where we can come together and just express gratitude to one another. And really, if you will study the origins of Thanksgiving, that's really what it was. It was, it was during harvest time where people would bring their crops and they would say they would celebrate together because they were expressing gratitude of all the things, all the increase that the Lord has brought. And so it was just an opportunity for them to get together and say, hey, we are grateful for all that God's doing. And next week, we're going to be really encouraging you guys to take seven days and just really focusing that as we close out our series and get ready for Thanksgiving week. Um, But really, when we talk about Thanksgiving, we're, we're being grateful for what has been provided, Right. How many are grateful that you're taken care of? But how many you know also that everything that is provided was once invested? It was once invested. If there was no investment, there would be no provision. And Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Now, we're going to circle back to this scripture in just a moment. But Paul says this. He says, God is the one who provides seed for the farmer. Everybody say seed. And then bread. Everybody say bread bread to eat, and then produce a great harvest. Everybody say produce. Produce a great harvest of generosity in you. I'm sorry. Back up. He will provide an increase. Everybody say increase. Increase your resources and produce. So God does all of it. He's in charge of the seed. He's in charge of the bread. He's in charge of the production. He's in charge of the increase. God does all of that. His hand is in all of it. So God's part is providing our part is planting, right? That's called partnership. This is, we talk a lot about partnership in the kingdom of God. How do we partner with God? We plant. We plant and we harvest. And so God, listen, God provides it all. He provides the seed. God provides the bread. God, God was the one who provided the laws and the science and the germination and all those things that go into you plant a seed and it grows, Right? We say, no, 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 God didn't do anything. I'm the one that went out there and tilled the ground, and I'm the one that planted the seed and watered the seed. No, no, no. But, but God provided the water, and God provided the ground, and God provided the laws and the science so that we could plant and harvest. So God provided all of it. So when we express gratitude, we're thinking, thank you, God, for being in charge of all this, for creating this ecosystem for growth to happen, for increase to happen. And that's what he says. He says, he says this, that you will produce, then it will produce a great harvest of what? Of generosity. Many times we think a harvest of receiving. He's actually saying you're going to receive a harvest of generosity. You're not going to receive a harvest of receiving. You're going to receive a harvest of giving. So when we talk about this all the time, right? We say, I want to be blessed so I can be a Blessing, what is that? That is a harvest of generosity. Then he says this, you will be enriched in every way. Everybody say every way. You will be rich, enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. Not so you can always be accumulating, but so you can always be 
generous. So God's part is providing. Our part is planting. And, the, and that's what we call being generous. Generous is planting. So I love the way Bill Johnson says it. He says this, we don't eat seed and we don't plant bread. You don't eat seed and you don't plant bread. So everything that comes into your life, all the resources that you have, some of it is for you to consume and some of it is for you to invest or plant. So we partner by planting. Let's talk about some of those things, some of the seeds that you've been given. How many know that you've been given seeds? God has given you resources in your life so that you can be, so that you can invest them and then have a harvest of generosity. You okay? The first seed is your time. Your time. How many know that everybody has the same time? We all have 24. People, I hear this all the time. I don't have the time. Well, you got the same amount of time as anybody else. You've just chosen to spend yours differently than anybody else has. You've chosen to obligate yourselves to certain things. You've chosen those things. How many know, how many would like to hear from God? Like, like God speak to you. I think all of us, I would like God to speak to me. So I want to ask you this question. Have you taken the time? For God to speak to you. See, God has a meeting every day set up. Don't miss the meeting. There's a meeting where God wants to speak to you. So I'll ask you today, you say, I want to hear from God. How much time have you spent in God's word today? Because in God's word, you will learn how he speaks audibly, but you will learn, but you will learn his nature. God has something for you in this bread of life, the word of God. Do, do, are you in that meeting every day? So if you would say, if you would say, I do want to hear from God, but you're not in the Word, I would say, do you really want to hear from God? Because he's got a feast before you. So we invest our time, and not, listen, not just our time with God, but our time doing things, things with God also. Like investing my time, like the, the way that I use my time and I'm honoring God. The second thing, the second area, the second resource, the second seed we sow is our energy. Everybody say energy. Now, we talk about energy. We're talking about our might and what we do, but we're also talking about our talents and our abilities. How are you using your talents and your abilities to advance the kingdom of God? How are you using those things for Jesus? See, in the church, sadly, we have become much like the culture. And the culture we live in is a consumer culture, right? So most models, church models in America, it is, it is a come and eat you don't have to do anything, right? We're, we're going to make sure that you have, and we, we love all this stuff. I'm not ditch, dissing on it. We, we have, make sure we have great donuts. We make sure that we, we're serving you, that we're taking care of you, making sure that your kids are well provided, making sure that you have a good parking spot, a clean parking lot, which is hard to do here sometimes. We, we have all these things. We do all these things to go out of the way. Why? So you can come and consume. However, listen, beloved, eventually, if all you ever do is eat, and you don't plant, eventually you're going to run out of what you're eating. Are you with me? So the consumer mindset, listen, has crippled the church. Beloved, the consumer mindset will cripple you. And we see this frequently. We see people come in, and I'm here, bam, and they're in, they're in, they're in. And they never start investing. And what happens in two or three months? Where are they? Have you seen some? Why? What happened? Because they came and consumed. And that's all they did but they never planted. And you, listen, you will receive most where you, in it, where you were invested the most. You will receive best where you were invested most. So, our energy. And let me just say this. Um, 
we are intentional. You know, we put it on announcements. We're like calling people. You've been like three times. We're like, hey, you want to volunteer? Why, why, do, why do we do that? Do we do that for the vision of Overflow Church? Do we do that for the advancement of the kingdom of God? Yeah, but we also do it for you. Because you are better by giving yourselves, by using your talents, gifts, and abilities for Jesus. Amen? Giving of your time. The third area, the third seed that we invest is our money. Oh, now I know, I know that preachers aren't supposed to talk about money, even though Jesus talked about money more than any other subject. I know that preachers aren't supposed to, and, and I don't really like talking about money because, you know, it's, it just gets a little uncomfortable and people are thinking that we're trying to get something from, uh, from you. But listen, today, I'm not trying to get anything from you. I'm trying to invest in you. And not trying to get you to a moment. We're not going to take up an offering later. I'm not trying to get you into a moment of generosity. I'm trying to provoke in you a lifestyle of generosity. Come on. And listen, when we talk about generosity, we're not just talking about money. So as I talk about money over the next few minutes, you can just fill in that blank with time. You can just fill in that blank with energy. You can fill in that blank with those things. Because understanding that the principles work the same. You sow, you reap. It's the way it works. And you will not, listen, you will not reap where you don't sow. You won't. So some of you, listen, some of you will not get invested. We love you. We love that you come and consume. If that's all you did, we would be awesome. But we know that if eventually, eventually you don't invest, what will happen is you'll get tired of eating this meal. I mean, it's just just the reality. And I hate to even say that, but it's the truth. And so it's better for you. And then you'll be like, well, I'm not being fed. Right? Is it that way? I'm just not being, are you invested? So there's a church called uh, in the Macedonian church uh, that Paul is speaking to in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I want to read what he says about this. Now, this is a church that is financially poor, but generously rich. Check it out. Now, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They were being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor. He's talking about financial poor, okay? So he's like, man, they are having a hard time. They are going through it. But they are also filled with abundant joy. So they're filled with trouble. They're not filled with money, but they're filled with joy, which is overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they not only gave what they could afford, but far more. And they did it out of their own free will. They did it out of their own will. They weren't talked into it. Verse 7, since you excel in many ways, in your faith, in your gifted speakers, in your knowledge, in your enthusiasm, in your love for us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. What's he saying? He's saying, I want you to be like the Macedonian church. I am not commanding you to do this, but I am testing. Oh, not commanding, but I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it to the eagerness of other churches. Wow. I thought we weren't supposed to compare. How many know there's a difference between healthy comparison an unhealthy comparison. So when it comes to good qualities, you do want to compare yourself. Such as such is generous. I remember uh, years ago, about five years ago, I heard a, a message from Bill Johnson, and he said this. He said, we've never tithed less than 20%. And I was like, 
dang. I was like, I've been, I was at that point been tithing 10% for about 20 years. And I, I went home and I told us, I said, that really challenged me. I think we need to start tithing 15%. I didn't have faith for 20. One day I will. And I said, but we're going to start, we're going to start. And do, do you know that just about immediately when we decided to do that, we saw our finances jump. We, we, we just began to see God's blessing more financially. And uh, what, what, how did that happen? Because I was comparing my generosity to somebody else's. Just like he said here, with the eagerness of other churches to know the generous grace, you know, verse 9, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sake became poor, right? So that in his poverty, Jesus was a poor man. Yes, in his poverty, he could make you rich. Now, he's not talking about rich like living in a multi-million dollar home and driving a limo with a hot tub in the back. No, 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 no. He's not talking about materialism. He's talking about being rich in generosity. He's talking about having more than enough so you can just bless other people. And God wants you in that place. So when people say, well, yes, that's the prosperity gospel. Well, do you want the poverty gospel? I don't believe in the prosperity gospel, but I don't believe in the poverty gospel either. I believe in the provision gospel. And when God provides, he always provides more than enough. Not so that I can just have more than enough, but so that I could be a blessing. So how many want to be generous? I want to be generous. The reason why we want to be generous is because we want to be like God. God's generous, right? John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he Gave. God is a generous God, so we want to be like God. The second reason why we want to be generous is because we are royalty. We talk about that a lot around here. Come on. You're a son. You're a daughter of the king of kings. Come on. Are you with me? So we are royalty. There's an awesome story about Alexander the Great who passes by this, uh, this poor man on the street that's begging. He's asking for money. Alexander the Great sees him there. And he he's asks for money, and he gives him two gold coins that was worth a lot of money at the time. And his assistant says, sir, two copper coins would have been enough for the beggar. And I want you to listen to his response. Alexander responded in royal fashion. Copper coins would suit the beggar's need, but gold coins suit Alexander's giving. So we, listen, we serve a God who is generous, and we, listen, we, beloved, as royalty, are generous people. And, see, generosity is one of those things, you got, you, got to, you got to do it before you know how good it is. I, I've learned that being generous actually helps me to be a better receiver because I know how annoying it is whenever I try to bless someone, and they're like, no, 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 I don't deserve that. Because I'm like, I don't care if you like it or deserve it or anything. It's not really about you. It's really about, I'm just, I love you, and I just want to bless you, so like it or leave it, you're, you're going to just get to receive it. So I know how frustrating that can be. And so what I've learned is in by being generous and dealing with that kind of like, no, 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 no. And I understand being humble and all that stuff. I, I've learned that it, it makes it more difficult for me to bless someone when they're, when they're kind of like, I'm unworthy, right? So, and the three, third reason why we want to be generous is because we are just extremely, extremely grateful. 
We're just a grateful people. See, Jesus says it this way in Matthew chapter 10, verse 8. He says, freely you have received, freely give. You got seed. You got bread. You got clothes. You, you have your needs met. So how many of you would like to be more generous? You are generous. You'd like to be more generous. These are, these are common statements about generosity. It says, they say, I would be more generous if I had more. That's a misconception. Listen, if you were generous with what you have, you would be more generous. You would have more to be generous with. If I was rich, I could help more, right? We always say that. Well, if I just won the lottery. Did you know, listen, do you know that, that on average, people that win the lottery within three years are bankrupt? Huh? Seventy percent, is that right? Seventy percent of people? Yes. Sure. I think that's right. Seventy percent. I'm looking for it in my notes and I'm not finding it. Okay. Okay. Check this out, because many of us are like, no, we're not rich. This question was asked. They were like, how much money would it take? And I want you to ponder that. How much money would it take for you to consider yourself rich? People that were making $30,000 a year said that if they were making $74,000 a year, they'd be considered rich. People that were making $50,000 a year said if they were making $100,000 a year, they'd be considered rich. People that were making two hundred dollars a year, $200,000 a year, said it, said it, would, it would require $5 million in assets to be considered rich. So the rich line moves. As you know, if you make, make $1,300 a month, you're in the top 50% of the world. If you make $2,500 a month, you're in the top 35% of the world. $2,500 a month, that's not very much. That's not enough to raise a family on. And we say, I'm not rich. These are some rich people problems. Your AC isn't working in your car. That's a rich person problem because only 3% of the world has a car. You have a car? <laughs> Welcome to Fortune 500, baby. You know what I'm saying? It's like you are blessed. Listen, not only do we have cars, we have houses for our cars. Right? Garages. We have houses for our cars. Also, we have clothes. In fact, inside our houses that have cars, we have little houses inside of our houses that have clothes, clothes that are touching up against other clothes, and we can go, I have nothing to wear. Rich people problems. Our Wi-Fi doesn't work in the bathroom. Rich people problems. I've only got five minutes left of data or five gigs or whatever, whatever the data thing is. I'm all out of data this month. It's rich people problems. Somebody misspelled my name on my decaf, venti, non-fat, three sugar, cream brulee latte, right? The rich people problems. So in contrast, you are rich because rich doesn't really have anything to do with money. Neither does poverty. Being rich and being poor has nothing to do with money. See, in the kingdom, wealth is measured by generosity and poverty by greed, So if you are greedy, if you are a taker, then you are poor. But if you are generous in the kingdom, you are considered rich. Listen, greed will cost you way more than being generous. 
So excel in the grace of giving. The grace of giving is what generosity is. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Remember this. This is, we'll highlight our verse again. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. That makes sense. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Yeah. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or under pressure or response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Our old pastor, Buster Russell, used to say, God loves a cheerful giver, but he'll take it from an old grouch. And God who generously provides all you need, then you shall have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. That sounds like being blessed, right? What is he talking about? If you're giving, if you're doing things God's way, then you're always going to have enough. It doesn't even how much, matter how much your paycheck. I've watched, some of you, you do your bills every month, and you're faithful to God, and you look at it, and you're like, I don't know how we're making it. We're making it. I don't know how. Because God's taking care of you. Because you put him first in your finances. Listen, then you have everything you need with plenty left over to share with others, to be generous. And the scriptures say they share freely, they, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one, our verse, God is the one who provides seed, bread, and the same way he'll provide increase to your resources, all those resources, time, energy, money, and produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so you can always be generous, not just with your money, but also with your time. That's where it hits me hard. Also with your energy. Are you investing? Do you always have to be convinced? So how do, how do, how do we enter in to this? What does it look like? Well, first of all, it looks cheerfully. Isn't that what he said? You must decide. You must decide how much. Not if you give, but how much. What portion? Not reluctantly. In other words, not with hesitation. Not unwillingly. Then he says, not under pressure. Now, many people would say, well, those preachers push, put them under pressure. And the scripture says don't give under pressure. Now, now hold up just a second. And I agree with that. In some sense. But listen, if the Holy Spirit is putting pressure on you, isn't that a good pressure? In fact, I've been pressured today by the Holy Spirit to respond to him. So there's a bad pressure and the good pressure. The pressure that he's talking about, in those days, there were, there were two boxes when you went into the temple. One was alms for the poor, and the other were, was for what the law required. These guys, listen, they didn't tithe 10%. They were tithing like 25%. That's where they lived. <laughs> Some of you are like, thank you, Jesus. So they were required to give what the law demanded, but there was another box over there. And so there was religious people that would stand around and go, all right, you put your, you put your 20% in there. Let's put this other 6% in this box over here. And they're watching them. So what, what was happening is they were putting the pressure on people to give to the poor. It was under, under, under that kind of pressure, under religious pressure. Right? Not under the pressure of the Spirit. So, we give cheerfully. How many know that your feelings are not always the best indicator? Right? I've felt like doing a lot of things that I shouldn't have been doing. 
Sometimes that pressure is the Holy Spirit. Number two, so we give cheerfully, number one. Number two, we give consistently. Everybody say consistently. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11. You will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. That sounds consistent to me, always. How often when I, well, just once a year when they take up a special offering for a missionary and my heart got tugged on. No, 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 always be generous. First Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2, it says, On the first day of the week, each one of you should put aside a portion of your money that you have earned. Every week, what's he saying? Consistent. Be consistent. Be cheerful. Yes, I'm so grateful I get to give. Be consistent. So in the kingdom, we have this thing that we call the tithe. The tithe means the tenth. It means the tenth before Uncle Sam gets a hold of it. The, the real biblical good word for that, it, which will help you, is called the first fruits. This is what it says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with your finances, with the first fruits of all your crop. So these guys, if they brought in 10 pounds of potatoes, they gave a pound away. It was actually more than that under the old, old covenant. But the, but the principle is the tithe. It's the tenth. Did you know that some people say, well, Jesus didn't say anything about tithing. Wrong again. And I say again. Because, if you, listen, if you're looking for a way out, then you need to deal with, God needs to deal with your stingy heart. And I, I say that tenderly, beloved. I, I'm looking, to, I'm looking to, to be generous. I'm not looking to see what I can hold on to. I'm looking to be an investor. This is, listen. Jesus, two occasions that I can think of, and I'm sure there's more, two occasions that Jesus mentions tithing. First of all, in Luke chapter 11, verse 42, the only time we ever see Jesus compliment the religious people is when they were tithing. He said, you, you tithe from your, you should. That's good. High five, guys. That's the only high five you're getting my whole life. You tithe. Then he says this. He says, give unto Caesar what is Caesar and give unto God what is God's. What is he talking about? Well, the tithe, listen, the tithe is already God's. That 10% of your income already belongs to God. So we actually don't give the tithe. The tithe is the floor, right? So the tithe, listen, so it says in Malachi, it says you rob God when you keep the tithe, when you withhold the tithe. We don't actually give the tithe. We yield it. You hear me? Because it already belongs to God. So what happens is when we yield the tithe, when we yield the tenth, the first fruit, then the other 90% is blessed. It actually says in Malachi that God will rebuke the devourer if you'll bring the tithe into the storehouse. So that's 10%. That's what it means. It means 10%. Not, not you come in a service. Service is good today. Here's a, here's a, here's a $5. That, that's a tipping. Some of you are tippers. God, God, God doesn't want you to be a, temper, a tipper. He wants you to be a tither. Listen, this is for you, beloved. Don't think it'll be easier the more money you make. It'll actually be harder because it is a percentage. So tithing is the floor. Listen, tithing robs from God, but it really robs from you. You're the one that's getting robbed. You're the one that's getting the short end of the stick. So what we've done here at Overflow is we do what we call the tithe challenge. And so this is for you. So what we say is, you know, and these are in your seat backs. If you want to do this today, you can fill it out and you can drop it in the offering box as you leave. Nobody will really know about it except for the financial person, the church. And what, what this is, is we say, you know what, because I know it's hard. Tithing is hard. 
Especially when you, when you, when you first start doing it, you realize, man, I could never do life without this. And so what we do is we say, you know what? If you will, if you will commit to tithe for three months, we will partner with you. you. You can borrow our faith. You can borrow our faith. We'll have faith with you. We'll agree with you for three months if you, if you will tithe. And then at the end of those three months, if, you, if, you, if God has not blessed you, if you have not seen the goodness of God in your finances, then you can come back to us and you say, you know what? I filled out that thing and I'm not being provided for it. We'll give you all your money back. All the money that you've given to the church, we'll, we'll get it and we'll give it back to you. That's the top challenge. You know, you know why we can do that? Because we know, we know that God will take care of you. It's, it's not something that we're presumptuous about. We know. We've seen it. We've experienced it in our own life. And we, so I'm not trying to, I'm trying to help you. Now, this is for people. Some of you are already tithing. You're already bought in. You're like, man, I know, I know. Because you, you've already tasted and seen. But some of you, you need help. And so we want to help you. All right? Is that gracious? Will that help you? That way you don't think we're just, ah, I just want some money. It's not about that at all. It's about you coming into alignment with what God has for your life so you can experience the lifestyle of rich generosity. Number three, the third way we give is sacrificially. So regularly, that's your tithe, right? And third is sacrificially. Everybody say sacrificially. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 3, they gave not only what they could afford, this church in Macedonia, but far more. So they couldn't really afford to give, but they gave more than what they could afford. How many know that God gave sacrificially? When he gave us Jesus, it was sacrificial. In fact, it says in Isaiah 53.10, it says it was God's pleasure to crush him. That God found pleasure in, in Jesus being sacrificed. Why? Because in the kingdom, listen, in generosity, sacrifices are more pleasurable than painful. It hurts. But it's a good pain. Have you ever had a good pain before? You're like, oh, that hurts, but it's a good hurt. It's a sacrifice. And under the new covenant, the, the hurt is a good hurt. And, and listen, fire always falls on sacrifice. Always. David said this. He said, I will not give to God that which costs me nothing. It needs to hurt a little bit. Because in sacrifice, listen, in sacrifice, God changes us. See, God doesn't really, listen, God doesn't need your money. He wants you. He wants you. And I've found one of the best ways to lead my heart is to lead my checkbook, lead my debit card. And that'll lead my heart. Years ago, 2000, let's see, look at the date here. 2001. I believe, maybe 2002, I was praying. It was December. I said, Lord, I want a wife by March. This is when I was single. It was, it was rough. I'm glad he didn't know me then. I was a single guy, incomplete. I said, Lord, I want a wife by March. We had a service that following February, a couple months later. And during this service, we were in this service. This guy got up and took up an offering, and people were getting up in the room and running across the room and giving other people money. It was the craziest thing. It was just a spirit of generosity on the house. People were, I went into that service, had like 30 bucks, gave away like $150 and walked out with 80. I mean, it didn't even make sense. So God was just moving. Like people were just giving away money and we're going to have one of those one time. Come on. And so 
I was laying down on the floor at the end of service, and I felt someone tugging on my wallet in my back pocket. So you know what I did. I just kind of pretended like I was focused on the Lord, not distracted by what they were doing. And so I was like, man, what, what just happened? I was like, Lord, somebody robbing me after I get willing. For real? I knew someone was probably putting money in there. So I got up and I opened up what was in there was better than money. It was this note. In fact, I used to carry it around with me. Do we have a picture of that? A little note. You can see it's kind of tore up because I used to carry it around my wallet. And it says this. Remember, I was asking the Lord by, by March. It's 2002 when I asked that prayer. And this is what it says. Right now, that might, this might not mean much. When that day comes and when you find the right woman and you decide to marry, where, whenever or wherever you may be, your wedding bands are on me, or better said, on the Lord. Look at that date. February 28th, 2003, the day before March. God was taking care of me. But do you know one of the most, it was one of the most powerful moments in my life. And then the following year, God gave me this amazing woman right here. Let me tell you, all of that, listen, all that was seated in a moment of generosity. It's crazy what God will do. Listen, I'm trying to convince you today. I'm not trying to get you to make a decision. I just want you to understand that God is good, and he wants to take good care of you, real good care of you. He just wants your partnership. It's his job. Listen, it's our job to plant. It's his job to produce. Right? Come on. His job is providing. Our job is planting. Five quick takeaways real quick and we're done. Number one, how do you develop a, a, a great, a generous, grateful spirit? Number one, give thanks. Listen, gratefulness fuels the spirit of generosity. The reason why you can be generous is just because you're so grateful for God. Number two, give something. Give something. I remember when I was youth pastoring at an at a inner city church, and we bust all of our kids in. All from the projects, they would come in, and we'd just love on those kids every week. We took up offerings because we knew it was important for them to learn how to be generous, even in their poverty. And I remember one, one night counting, looking at the offering. We used to take it in one of those bubblegum containers, take up the offering in one of those bubblegum containers. I remember, I remember counting the offering that night so I could turn it in. I looked in that offering bucket, and there, was, there were things like suckers and lollipops and bubblegum. And there was a, start, there was a, a place called Blockbuster Video. They, there was a place where you rented these things called VHS, VHS cassettes, and you could watch them on this thing called a television. And... There was, they would put blockbuster gift cards in there. What were they doing? They were just giving something. They were just so grateful for what God had done, and they, they just wanted to give something. I remember being so moved by that. That was like way better than seeing money in the offering because they were getting it. They were getting God. Just, they just wanted to bless the Lord. So give thanks. Give something. Number three, give sacrificially. Give till it hurts. I would say this. If, if it doesn't hurt a little bit, you're not giving enough. Number four, give consistently. And I hope you've seen this in the scriptures, that tithing thing. Again, that tithe challenge. Fill it out today. Don't give it to me. Just put it in the offering. I don't, I don't need to see it. And number five, give now. By now meaning from this day forward.